I've um, suggested sometimes in the in the mornings recollection is uh, an aspect of mind cultivation. Um, one of the things we have to um, acknowledge is that we use, we use this word meditation, and that has a particular perceptual ring to it. You know. So the word meditation has a particular perception to it, doesn't it? It's probably what you're used to as things that happen in retreat centers or when you sit still, you meditate. And it means you have prescribed series of exercises that you focus on internally and and such qualities as um, concentrating on it are encouraged analysis of it is encouraged and this is what we many people would term meditation mm. and like quite a few of these these uh, <laughs> words uh, uh, well, there isn't really a Buddhist word for it um, a, there is such things cultivation or or bringing into being bhavana and that's probably the widest um, term. There's also another word, kamatana, which means to make a foundation on direct, what directly, what you're directly doing, action. There's also terms like sati, samadhi, jhana, uh, absorbing. And so there's a range of of uh, modalities that can be used for to be cultivated, cultivation, bhavana the Eightfold Path to be cultivated. Mm. So we sort of start to widen uh, uh, the focus on how we can make best use of our time when we dedicate ourselves to Dhamma. And recollection is something considered to be cultivated. Mm. It's the ability to plant and, and open the chitta through particular established perceptions, perception of Buddha, Dhamma, Sangha, perception of death, perception of virtues, one's own virtues, perceptions of impermanence, change, um, perceptions of the unattractive aspects of the body, um, perceptions of uh, friends and kindness and so forth people you bring to mind and this is all part of what we do with our doingness which uh, we all have and many of us find a bit of a problem because you can't think won't switch off and so often in meditation the, so often the theme seems to be switch that thing off but <laughs> that's another action isn't it <laughs> another thing to do so Really, the, the more full way of, of handling doing energy is to use it, but to slow it down. And to, instead of it running out to this, that, and the other, thinking about this, that, and the other, we deliberately turn it and plant, use it to bring to mind. Now, this is because, you know, it's, it's a word we have 
the word mind covers a range of things. So you have what's called mano, mano vinyana, the mind consciousness, which does exist in space and time. It manifests, uh, it, it, it always has a sense of a present moment, and it, this, that, and the other, and it picks things up definitely that are happening in the sense fields right now. So it does that. And that is then directed to another quality, aspect of mind called citta, which feels it. And it feels it dependent upon its own dispositions and intentions and karmic configurations. As I've said, citta doesn't move in terms of space and time. It moves in terms of karma. In this way, um, as as our bodies decay, citta remains. And the understanding is that even as body drops away, jitter remains in, in, and unfolds and a new, you know, another body, <laughs> you know, gains that one, if you like. Uh, this is, of course, a bit difficult to explain, but the understanding is jitter does pass from life to life. So it's like, but it's not so much a, an object so much as a message, a set of codes mm, that are transmitted rather like emails. You know, it's got to transmit from Australia to America like that. Uh, Or even a a thought, you know, where does that move from? So it's a set of, in some ways it's a very programmed set of intentions and attitudes and inclinations that keep going. And this is why we have what we call karma, karmic inheritance, because events that definitely happened, as far as we can tell, historically, years ago, and we could even say, you know, if we had a good enough memory, on that particular day, that particular year, I met so-and-so. You know, and that was a big moment in my life. Definitely that happened in time. Definitely that happened in an airport or a coffee bar or somewhere. There it was. You know, can't say it didn't happen in time. Or space, it did. You know, that's what the mano quality can pick up. But then the resonances of friendship or agreement or disagreeable or something, those flow through. Don't they? So we can remember them, be affected by them, be shaped by them. This is how karma is. Specific events that did happen in time get laid down as as the felt experience. The felt experience of safety or warmth or hostility or, you know, all kinds of stuff. So then this this, this is citta. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's happening all the time. So what's happening is that present time experiences are being referred to prior models which carry karmic significance. This I find pleasant, friendly, normal, this is strange, this is odd. When something's odd I feel uncertain, unsteady. Or I might feel kind of curious and interested, depending on the tilt of one's citta. Hmm. So this, this is shaped and its inclinations and intentions are moulded by agreeable, disagreeable, fundamentally.
what feels comfortable or agreeable uh, or disagreeable. And you just want to watch that, acknowledge that. Uh, you know, so for example, this chanting can, re- can have some resonance which reminds you of being at church, and that maybe isn't agreeable. <laughs> yeah. Because it just sounds in one way, but it has a sanya perception to it which triggers a particular uncomfortable feeling. But of course, you know, the other way works, that certainly if you were in a, a Buddhist country and you heard that chanting, your heart would rise with a sense of safety, warmth, friendship, company, beauty, something noble, really lifts. And immensely um, powerful effect on the chitta that rises above its concerns. And this is one of the you know, features how perception affects us. Mm-hmm. Affects the chitta. So that seemingly, you know, one way insignificant acts on the level of cognition. That's a person, that's a Buddha image, that's a sound. Uh-huh. It means this, that and the other. Can have powerful resonances when they're addressed to the chitta. And one of our encouragements is to keep addressing things to the chitta. Keep addressing one's actions, you know, one's, one's behaviours, one's joys, one's sorrows, one's uncertainties. Keep addressing them to that and feel it. This, this we would say, is yeah, meditation. <laughs> or, or uh, you know, one part of the process of it. Dhamma-vijaya, manasikara. Manasikara means give appropriate attention, see what's really meaningful, drop it into your citta and explore. Dhamma Vijaya, investigate, what's this about? How come I feel this? I don't feel this, or I do feel this, what's happening? Hmm. And it's, uh, it's a skill. Hmm. The citta also doesn't really experience, uh, it's not good at distinct objects. It's more at the feeling sense, tones, feel friendly, feel uh, odd, feel strange, feel confused. It doesn't really experience things in terms of sharp objects, whereas we can define with our mano faculty, specifically quite, quite clear, this was this word is spelt wrong, or, you know, this, you know, we get very clear at that. Mm-hmm. A pretty good object definition, jitta is the subjective resonance of things. Mm-hmm. This is, and jitta is that which can be released from afflictive resonances, things bothering me, disturbing me, frightening me, annoying me, uh, and even from being knocked around or thrown around in this sense world, sensory consciousness. It's called the ceasing of consciousness, which again is first sounds like, well, yeah, I, I tried that a few years ago with some little pills. It didn't seem to be much good. 
No, it's not that. <laughs> it means that all those fervent activities that occur in, in the conscious process, you know, to see, you know, to be affected, to search, to resist, you know, to keep looking for something to see or touch or, you know, an orientation around that, all that stops. What really stops is the sankara quality. And then it's just presence. Mm. No. Recollection, to go back to that, it means you take something like Buddha, and you can think, yeah, Buddha lived so many years ago, born, probably born this time, that time, son of a chieftain. You, know, you can kind of revise historical Buddha, wander around India, you know, living on alms food, said if good, some good things, good, uh-huh, so. <laughs> uh, but with with uh, nusati, or recollection, what does that mean to me? That's the subjective tilt. That's, the, that's dropping into the jitta. What does that mean to me? Jitta is the me sense. It's also the subjective sense. What does this mean to me? Oh, nothing much. Okay. Just take it a bit more slowly. You know, imagine, just remember somebody with no... You know, had a few teachers which you didn't find satisfying. Um, lived a homeless life. Um, gave everything he could to, in terms of his advice, instructions, to help other people, right till his last dying breath. Didn't hold back. Mm-hmm. Seemed to have an incredible depth of understanding. Mm-hmm. And yet also chose to focus that around something so simple that we all experience suffering, stress, incompletion, you know, so something very colloquial and ordinary, and yet presented that and to anyone who asked. Person of um, serenity, strength, resilience. Ingenuity, wit, um, great compassion. Mm. What would it be like to meet such a person? How would that feel? What would you do? Say, what would you say? Uh, Hi. Uh, want a cup of tea, coffee? Uh, don't think so. <laughs> yeah. So often we recollect, we kind of turn it around and keep questioning it. You know. What does this mean to me? And this was 2,005, 600 years ago. You know. What's it going to do with me? I just keep turning it around. And uh, there are the standard recollections which we chant, but naturally anything you see on a piece of paper becomes just another word. We need to take it in and get the meaning, get the felt sense, any of it, really. Peaceful one. 
the untrammeled, unflustered one, the one. So I think my first impressions of Buddha were just seeing a picture of the Buddha, even though it's his stylized thing. He's not, you know, ranting about something. <laughs> he's not uh, claiming anything. He's not. He's definitely not suffering. Uh, quiet, very dignified, uh, good bearing, but not arrogant. Peaceful, calm. What's that? You know, what's that mean to me? Well, you know, well, the recognition of well, I'm not like that, but that would be beautiful to experience that. And to experience a person who was like that. Mm. Let me place that there. How does that feel? Mm. Would you trust such a person? Would you be interested in, in such a person? How would you feel? You just keep do you know, dropping some of these suggestions. This is you know, a process of Manasikara, Yoni Sol Manasikara, deep attention. Mm. Rather than just skipping over the facts, if you like. Go to the meanings of things. And it encourages us. Because uh, what can occur, certainly, over and builds over time, is the chitta starts to open with a quality of trust, of faith, of interest, of it could be possible. You know, rather than everything's shut down, locked up into politics and business. There could be a thing called spirit, heart, enlightenment. This could be possible. Jitta starts to resonate, I imagine, certainly for myself. And uh, there it is. That's what we're encouraging, that you get the tone of that tone of faith, mental tone of faith. It's like the beginning of an emotion. We feel slightly inspired, warmed, uh, rather than just shut down, frozen, driven, or excited, or wanting something, or fearing something. Those tones momentarily are, emotions are momentarily brushed aside. Safety. Why we call refuge in Buddha the safe place, the thing we could really trust, the person we could really trust for our welfare. No other motive. Didn't want anything back. These are certainly ways one can recollect, but the essence of it is to take a theme turn it around, drop it in, so you're using your thinking mind to enter the heart rather than leave it. You know, because it goes one way or the other. You know, it either rushes off, called papancha, and generates a kind of 3D world out there, of, of the future and tomorrow and how I'm going to get back to you know Houston or New York where I come from after the retreat you know there it is suddenly tremendous power for that or I can turn back and dr- turn inwardly 
Stay there, just feeling the resonance, the mind tone. Very much the case with the other aspects of the triple gem. These are the first things we should recollect. Because they cause a sense of, it could be possible, there could be something better for me. Mm. And it's uh, not about belief or indoctrination or paying up or becoming anything. We recollect also good skillful deeds. First of all, probably those of others. It's sometimes much easier. Yeah. People who we've been gladdened by or inspired by or encouraged by their good actions, their good things they've said to us or we've heard about somebody did something noble, um, generous. Uh, what does it feel like when you touch into something like that? Oh, yeah. You know, you, you admire, you respect. You, and again, it's another tone. Faith arises and that tonality is there. Whereas without that, uh, well, you know, just get by, dog eat dog, you can't trust anybody, you know. We often find ourselves more or less caught by, by the media being constantly reminded to recollect terror, <laughs> catastrophe. <laughs> yeah. Drop those, and the chitter goes, ooh, <laughs> flat, you know. You get that tone, sort of a, a low, low level depression and anxiety. Mm. Mm. What does that, what does that do? So recollect the skillful. And there's a quality of what's called mudita, rejoicing. When that begins to open up, the uplift called the uplift is called Pomoja. And it's possible then, you know, though again it's sometimes extraordinary to try to experience gladness about one's own actions. <laughs> yeah. But that again is is a is an earnestly encouraged uh topic for recollection. And you know, to realize within this person, because we take our actions very personally, and then it becomes so kind of, well, you know, just an ordinary woman, just an ordinary man doing stuff. And you don't recognize the transpersonal qualities there, the times of generosity, the times of honesty, the times of turning away from causing harm times even of asking for forgiveness, for times of nurturing others, times of protecting others, the events of um, what we didn't do, you know, 
And we didn't take anything, we didn't steal things, we were conscious of that. What's that? What's that in us that you can really respect? Again, this is a very important topic for recollection because if you, you know, when you personalize it, you either feel a bit embarrassed, well, so what, everybody does this, or I shouldn't be so conceited about myself on a personal level. But, yeah, then you don't take yourself really, you don't enter the depths of what you, what's there for you, your chitta. The fact that one can attune to Dhamma and be gladdened by it or interested or encouraged, I mean, that, that is a powerful potential. And even before we exercise it or concern ourselves, oh, well, how good am I going to be at this? Can I ever realize this? Can I ever get anywhere with it? And you know, just recognize that you resonate with it at all. That is that tone of you know, inspiration, gladness, encouragement, eagerness. That's something to not take lightly. With that quality, with that quality, it's sure that you will definitely progress towards complete awakening. This is the, you know, in fact, that's what the, you know, the, the, the Buddha sometimes defined the Sri Mantra, someone who has that quality as a constant reference point. They have recollection of their virtues and they have faith in the Triple Gem. So that's the Sri Mantra. What? That, what about the, you know, the seven stages and the nine of these and the jhanas? And the, no. <laughs> Could be. But he said, you know, there's a whole section where he describes time and time again, because people keep asking him, it's not Ananda, keeps asking him, is so-and-so a stream mentor? He said, oh, look, Ananda. You keep asking about all these different people of their stream mentors, and look, this is, this, is the, this is the benchmark. If they have faith in the triple gem and they keep the five precepts, that's, that's it, you can guarantee they must be. You know, they must be on the way. You think, well, that doesn't sound too difficult. When you get put to the test, though, see where where your mind goes. (laughs) You know, do you go to, okay, just be awake to this? Or do you go to your first, you know, the, the, the social, domestic, cultural attitudes? Do we go to, okay, let's be honest and truthful about this, or do we go to, it was his fault, I, after all, I didn't really mean that, you know, do we go to that kind of thing? Yeah. Or do we have faith in our honesty and and take a stand on what I call the, the plain, the ground of truth? Do you take a stand on that above all? This is someone who has unshakable faith, not belief, but confidence that this is the only place I can stand. Other places, you know, I may even forget it at times, and stream interests certainly seem to, to forget it at times, you know, but they can return to that ground of truth. This is where I 
this is what I really value, this is where I stand. I stand on non-abuse, non-intoxication, non-deception, um, not, you know, not on various levels, non-contaminations of, with insults, of swearing, gossiping, lying, backstabbing and so forth. And I, I, when I recollect that, I feel glad. I feel grateful that such qualities have arisen, have been present. My jitta has opened into that. And this is something to not take lightly and to deeply return to. Because, you know, you know the way that the Mara gets you, worrying about this and that, and you know, making you a person with all the limitations of the person. And the point of the, that is you turn that to within this being, within this person, this person is now an avenue to these transcendent qualities. How fortunate. This has arisen. This quality is present. So in a way, we're not patting ourselves on the head, but so much as just honestly recognizing where one's jitter inclines. And if it's inclining, when you stop and pause and say, what do you really want? Yeah, I want truth. I want, you know, non-violence. I want, you know, non-abuse. That's, that makes sense for me. That's where I feel most comfortable and grounded. And you return to that time until you firm up that ground. And that's considered a treasure. As it says in the recollection of the precepts, Silena Sukhatinyanti, these precepts are a vehicle for, or a means for feeling of good fortune, for Boga Sampada to be full, to be enriched, and for, for Nibuting, for cooling the power of Tanha craving, because we have a ground to stand on. So in all one's personal concerns about mastering meditation skills and uh, so forth, as I said, the person can't meditate. They can, a well-meaning person tries, and they maybe you know get some good skills at handling attention and you know that and the other, but. The deepening, well, the real quality of it is to touch into the transcendent. And the transcendent begins with this process, recollection. What does it feel like when you really respect your own virtues and values? Do you keep shrugging it off? Do you remember the times when you failed at it? when you did lose your temper, or you did, you know, or do you remember the times when you didn't? When you, if you do remember the times when you did, do you feel a sense of, oh, that wasn't so good? That was a pang. Well, that means you've got the values, otherwise you wouldn't be bothered. 
So it's always considered, even when one makes mistakes, and certainly in our monastic practices, every, every two weeks at least, you recollect the places where you did swerve or you did just, you know, go off, even minor things. Not as a recrimination, but as a sense of, ah, oh, that's where it went, I'm more careful. And there's a quality of the honour of returning to one's ground of values. And that's what it requires. Takes And you've got a whole, you know, in a proper functioning sila community, like, a, you know, if a, if a monastic sangha is training properly, all these rules, you know, there's actually probably thousands of them. So many I can't remember them all in one go. But I know, I know them all. I mean, I sense them all. I sense boundaries, I sense places to pull back, I sense places to wait, places to go forward gently, you know. That's where I live. And I also notice when I've blurred or fudged or overstepped and, oh, okay. Then return to the ground of truth. And the whole thing is held together. There's nobody watching you. You, know, you can have a community, nobody's watching you. And yet everybody's keeping these, these precepts. Because of the power of citta, the power of truth, the power of honesty. And you realize, I couldn't live with myself. I didn't honor these. I just would not, I would, couldn't live with myself if I didn't show respect to these. This is what I'm here for. And it it's, it's becomes this very firmly established. Yeah. Notice I was going, going through these border and customs and last time I was in Asia people gave me some technological devices and I said, well, you know, I think these cost more than the, the allowance. And the person who was traveling said, well, it doesn't really matter, you know, nobody's going to look. Alarm bell. I said, sorry, no. <laughs> no, I can't do that. We've got to declare it all. I just can't. How could I live with myself? People are giving me stuff because I keep, I take these things very seriously. That's part of what I do. You know? That's part of what I do, you know? That's why people can trust me. There's no way I can compromise. Okay. And you got it. Oh, yeah, right, you're right. Okay, thanks. Yeah, you're right. So we go to customs and my goodness, it's a real hassle trying to get somebody to come down and look at you. So you have to phone them up. The little red phone. Please come down and inspect me, will you? Yeah, eventually, about ten minutes, fifteen minutes later, somebody comes down. Oh, okay. Well, oh, don't worry about that. Go on. It doesn't matter. <laughs> and they do that every time. Every time I try and declare something, they do that. The next time I go through, I see the same, oh, you again, oh, go on. <laughs> but yeah, you know, that's what you do. That's what I'm, that's what I'm supported for. Yeah. And so that, that's, that's the ground, because it's not just bec- whether other people care or not. I care. That's my ground. If I lose that, where am I?
you know, but not taking my abiding place in really in a home. I'm a homeless person. Hmm? Where else am I going to stand? That gives me the sense of integrity and, and a kind of gut level security. The rest of it, what can you make, what can you make secure? The rest of it. But this means the jitta is secure. This becomes, so then we reflect on, on death. There's another subject of recollection, aging, sickness, death. If you've, and again, if you've prepared the ground like that, then recollection of death is a very helpful and the Buddha is certainly recommended one should recollect it every day. Now it's not now from ordinary if one were moored in the world of time and place and sense consciousness and taking our bodies as being a final reality, this is a pretty grim thing to remember. You know, you feel anxious and frightened. But uh, one who cultivates, and you cultivate recollect, you drop it in, what does this mean? What does recollection of death mean? It's sobering. There's that tone. You get it? You know? Rather than frightening, or you get a fluster, you get a steady tone of, hey, you know, this is not. This is not a place just to be playing around. This is uh, all this stuff goes. Yeah, this stuff goes. Everything around me goes, right? The future goes. A time when there's no more futures, no more postponements, no more. Oh, well, I'll do that later. Yeah then what's important then? As I said, every night, what's important if this is the last night? Important to hold your value, your chitta. So it definitely helps us return to chitta. And you look into that and think, is there anything here that's Grudges from the past, recriminations, now's the time to just leave it behind. Any kind of little petty squabbles we've got get bigger than that. Yeah. Any doubts and worries about yourself, it's time to stop fiddling with that. You know, licking the old wounds. Time to return to citta, a place of virtue and openness and trust, and you know, be a, someone who has received the triple gem and make your heart something that's a place where the triple gem can can stand. You know, whatever that means to you: awakening, truth, skillfulness, virtue. Where, where's that going to stand? making your citta a place where that will stand and you, you can return to it. Recollection of death. And though it's often considered to be a daily recollection, and the Buddha said, well, ask the group of monks, how long do you recollect it? One said, oh, three times a day. He said, yeah, mm-hmm. not enough.
Somebody said, well, every time I take a mouthful of food, he said, yeah, but that's not enough. And one of them said, every time I breathe in, I recollect it. And every time I breathe out, I recollect it. And the Buddha said, that's about it. <laughs> Just breathe in like it's the last. How sweet that would be. Breathe out like it's the last. How sweet that would be. Just that final. So you see then, something like that, what is that tone, what tonality of mind is there? Sense of imminence, deep value, deep. And it's not a forced concentration where you're kind of muscling your mind down to, to suppress it or trying to send it through hoops. It's a recognition of the precious quality of what's occurring. It will never come again. And that tonality, that is, you know, that's an immense asset for what we call meditation. Cultivated like that, when you really take this present unfolding like it's the only one that counts, and there might not be another one, well, that does things to your attention. And instead of, you know, just relying on narrowing a focus, you instead enhance the deep sensitivity and uh, almost cherishing the present unfolding. And then qualities such as care, conscientiousness, respect uh, are available. And these are the kind of, some of the unspoken aspects of meditation. It can get too professional sometimes. Mm. We're looking at heart qualities. Recollection of karma. Everything, every action that's committed to has a result. And what you're experiencing now is the result of what's happened before. This both encourages to take, to acknowledge, you know, our, our deliberate intentions, the actions that we, do, we deliberately decide to do. We're a little more composed and clear about what we're doing. That's good for, that's good for mindfulness. And you recognize what what you seem to be on the level of ordinary mind consciousness is the results. Mm. So there's a sense of um, witnessing oneself from a different position. Witnessing one's apparent self with less exasperation, less perplexity, but more like a, I don't say a distance, but in, in, in a certain, it's called Viveka. Who is this? Who is this being? How is she? How's that energy? How's that feeling? How does it feel? I'm interested.
instead of claiming it or constricting around it. So that quality of attention is called the kind of attention which definitely we we kind of, you know, activate. It's called the karma that leads to the end of karma. There is an engagement, but it's an engagement from begins with viveka, just dispassion, has a quality of goodwill, sati, mindfulness, these are all subtle mental chitta activities. And uh, they mean they as they begin to come online as we cultivate honour and respect those for any moment. They uproot the sense of dreadful familiarity. Here I go again. I'm always like this, you know. Uh, when will I be like this? And that's the called the ahankara, the sankara that generates the I am into something that's not really seen from a proper perspective at all not really held in a proper perspective at all. We often get too close to ourselves, to, you know, looking into our own nostrils, as it were, (laughs) or looking at the freckles or the warts or something. Look at that, you know, too picky. Take ourselves too, too seriously sometimes, you know. The self, the person pack, gets very wound up in itself. And that viveka is is almost like widening over the whole field of the personal domain. Hmm, how can I help her? What would be beautiful? Perhaps some more space is needed. So it's that inquiry from a, a viveka perspective. Because we understand if you more clearly that you know if we just engage in the old personal I am this, I should be this, how can I stop being this way, then you're creating more person forming karma. Trying to be a better person, you're f- making more person forming karma. <laughs> yeah. Wondering how long you can take you're making more person forming karma. You get it? Because the whole tone, the modality is this, a kind of, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's got that quality to it. It's not uh, beautiful. It's not honoring. Uh, it's uh, a nitpicky or obsessive or fault-finding. It's not, that's not the right place to, to focus from. Honor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, know, you can't honor every thought, but you can honor the space that allows a thought to arise and doesn't clamp down on it.
precious quality. There's a, in, there's a, I don't know how famous it is, but quite a, a striking piece of narrative when, you know, the Buddha, Ananda, the Buddha's devoted disciple, is reveling in the wonderful qualities of a Buddha. And some it's the legendary stuff saying, and the Buddha rose in the world and, you know, all these amazing powers, psychic powers, and came from his heaven realms when he was born, descended from his mother's womb, and, you know, immediately he rose from his mother's womb, he kind of made a declaration of truth and these kind of legendary things. And the Buddha's going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he says, you know, there's one, one re- really even more miraculous quality of a Tathagata, even more miraculous than, you know, descending from Tusita Devaloka into his mother's womb, you know, arising from his mother's womb and taking seven steps and proclaim, making proclamations. If you think that's miraculous, there's even something even more miraculous than that. What is that? It says, the Tathagata acknowledges a thought when it arises. He acknowledges the thought as it moves. He acknowledges the thought as it passes away. <laughs> this is the most miraculous quality of a Tathagata. <laughs> you know, that kind of... I mean, who, who says that? <laughs> it is kind of so ordinary, you think. Yeah, but I don't do that, do I? <laughs> what is that quality? And how has such something that, after all this magnificent poetic stuff, something the Buddha is just so down to earth. You know, this is what counts. This is the really marvelous stuff that's going to get you places. Just to have a thought arise, know it just as a thought. Don't clench around it. Don't proliferate around it let it move through you and subside. And know that, be the knowing of that. Yeah. And when you, you know, if you ever read some of these, these accounts and see they just, and get a picture of this uh, person, yeah. how much of it's true, we don't know. But there's something around that, you get the overall picture either someone who's incredibly ingenious to make all that up <laughs> or quite a lot of it probably carries truth in it and something like that you know now if it gone the other way around yeah yeah but yeah anybody can watch their thoughts but what i did i arose from tusita devaloka and i was magnificent in the world do you think yeah another guy trying to prove how great short he is but you can respect someone who says comes down you know to the ground from that place uh, with, a, with a sort of slight perhaps a slight dry smile I could imagine so when we recollect Buddha we recollect his qualities and take it down to something just as simple as prosaic and yet marvellous as that. Then this is really valuing the human condition. And it gives us something to, you know, yeah, that's, you know, 
What's that quality? This is chitta waking up from its contraction, from its fascination with thoughts and sensations. And through that it becomes more confident and it's more confident it doesn't run out. It doesn't run out into things. It stays with itself, with its knowing, with its sensitivities, and there's a particular tone, quality of that. It's restraint or sangwara. Sang meaning together, vara, something like a worthy. So it's a kind of collected, gathered in. The, the beauty of the collected jitta. Now this is this is how, you know, this is the why samadhi occurs. For mojo, one's gladdened. Because one's gladdened, one's heart is lifted, one's mind shakes off the depression and doubt. We come there because of that, we not looking outside for something else, we come into embodiment, this quality. As we work in embodiment, settling it, breathing the qualities of heart into that, working through it, body becomes relaxed and happy. When the body's relaxed, the mind feels fresh, open, subtle, soft, happy. Uh, And the Buddha says, this is how you enter samadhi. You just absorb, gather, collect that qualities, those jitta qualities, you gather them, absorb and collect them. And if you want to do that using breathing as your vehicle, this is great. But that's really like a conduit to to help breathe qualities of jitta, to bring qualities of jitta into the body. So when we cultivate mindfulness of breathing, it's really, you know, there's so many near misses that we can in my opinion, in my experience, take on without even really knowing it. So I'm watching the breath. That is not said. There's no such thing as a breath. Nobody's ever seen a breath. (laughs) You've got smoke in your mouth or something, but generally you cannot see breath. (laughs) But you can... And it doesn't say, it just says, be, frame up the experience of breathing, how you sense that. How from your place of viveka, dispassion, from stepping back, just tell me anything about it. It could be the pressure of your buckle on your pants, pressing against your belly, you know. (laughs) Something that repeatedly, and you feel the change in the flexion of that, pick up the rhythm, the rhythm has a comforting effect. When we step back and we pick up the tonalities of something that's involuntary, rhythmic, don't have to do it, and we begin to step out of the performance attitudes or acknowledge the performance attitudes of trying to succeed or 
where will this get me to? How long do I have to do this? This is worldly. It's not from the ground of truth or faith. It's worldly. It's bound up in time. Absorb into the beauty of one breath, one breathing process, the rhythmic, involuntary, suffusive quality of that. If you honour it, respect it, be grateful for just one, your jitta, I tell you, your jitta will, will light up and your body will feel that. It will begin to trust you. Relax. Very important. You know, to develop this relationship because, you know, from quite a lot of time we have not dealt with our bodies very skillfully. I don't just mean, you know, drinking or violence. I mean the constant pressure we put on our nervous systems. You know, the the disrespect one shows to one's own sensitivities. Mm. Or we treat it just like an animal. And so this, uh, I wonder it's all kind of, doesn't want to know you. <laughs> <laughs> so there's just that gentle, lo- loving quality towards it, the ability, to res- grateful for the ability to just breathe out. And it was certainly that, that's, you can't underestimate or, sh- or um, do without that. Then this process of of samadhi, of entering samadhi, is much more like you've you've cl- you've cleaned the floor, you've established the place, you've swept out the, the, the cobwebs, <laughs> and the, and the, and then you sit down in your house. You have a place to sit in. When you're in your house, you sit there. And you make welcome, invitation. You know, may this body arise for me. May this breathing arise for me here. There's a place for it. Mm. You don't go running after it. Mm. And if it doesn't, isn't there, doesn't matter. You abide on your place of recollection, valuing citta. That which can be inspired, that which has conscience and concern, mm. that which rises up with a quality of, of kindness and compassion and gratitude, that which meets the challenge of death with a sense of, okay, that's the deal, what's important now, and that which can respect the sacred. And just, can you get the tone of that? It's very open, because jitter is like that. In a way, it's everywhere. Someone abides in the processes and the results of recollection. Is mm. someone who is not is bound into the other shore, to the transcendent, to nibbana. And then we begin to, you know, okay, so what things are not worthy of me? 
not what's wrong with me. <laughs> you know, what things are not worthy of me? When you recognize the beauty of chitta, you think, this is not beautiful behavior. This action towards myself, this denigration is not beautiful. Mm-hmm. This squandering is unnecessary. So when I even have that sense even towards one's, you know, places where we get caught in hindrances or stuck in views or something or the other, I say, well, this is, I'm above this. Chitta is beyond this. Chitta can be beyond this. Don't, don't doubt it. And then we take up particular meditation exercises from a sense of, well, let's try this and, you know, see how it goes and practice walking, standing, sitting, mantras, recollections. It's just what really is helpful now to more clearly, more fully use the tone of the jitta, which becomes a foundation to deal with a specific personal entanglements but compassionately Mm. where we get flustered where we get pressed where we get shut down being a little more patient with that this is the way of practice so this evening Is the uh, end of our historical second second week or so of being here in back to the world of space and time, and uh, it's uh, it does count because it allows our personhood to begin to you know really relax into rest into. We've arrived, we're settling, we may have settled, we appreciate the settledness, we've touched ground. And uh, this is how, you know, the benefit, because these processes, you know, have to be sat in, saturated, absorbed, like a sponge. It takes time to really absorb it. So making good use of this occasion. Today, tonight, the possibility to extend group practice for those who who wish to, and you you know, for another hour, two hours, or you can even make what's called a resolution. A resolution on okay, I'll see what I can till midnight as a as a kind of sense of, yeah, let's bring forth. And tomorrow, a day to more open, see what seems appropriate, helpful um, in your own time.
So I suggest we, um, right now, cultivate the sharing of blessings and then uh, to, I'll take the water out and if you'd like to follow, we can circumambulate the prayer Bring to mind people you want to drop into your heart. Uh, people you're concerned for, people you have gratitude for, people you... Mm, or recollect a triple gem. So it's a time for that group circling. <laughs> 